0: today's focus is on how to eliminate self-sabotage. You know, when I talk to people about succeeding in their lives, really making their goals and dreams a reality, invariably they say, you know, I really go for it, but I just somehow manage to screw things up for myself. Just when I'm about to really make things happen, all of a sudden, whammo, I don't show up for a key meeting or I say the wrong thing or I treat somebody mean or I just don't follow through and I don't understand it. I don't know why I keep sabotaging myself in this way. Hey, sabotage only comes for one reason, and we've said this over and over again, and we're going to keep saying it because it is the foundation to understanding human behavior. If you're sabotaging yourself, it means you're stopping yourself from following through, right? Why would you do that? Take a wild guess because you associate more pain to following through. You're sabotaging yourself as a way of stopping yourself from doing something that you think on some level is going to create a lot of pain in your life. Now, some people think succeeding is going to create pain. It's going to make sure they feel alone or separate from other people. Remember we've talked about this? So as they start to get close to succeeding, whammo, they sabotage. Why? Because their brain notices that, hey, the more I succeed, people around me don't seem to get too jazzed about it. When I fail, they go, oh, come here, gosh, let me talk to you. How's it going? But when they succeed, they go, oh, yeah, easy for you, buddy. Well, with that kind of conditioning, no wonder people sabotage. We've got to take control back. And the way we take control back again, as we've done over the last two tapes of conditioning ourselves, is to change our associations to the thing that we're sabotaging. Now, let me bring up another point that I think is equally, maybe even more important, that is this. A lot of us jump to conclusions about sabotage. And a lot of people say, well, gosh, you know, I just keep sabotaging my success. And what I say to them is, are you sabotaging your success or are you just doing stupid things? (laughs) What I mean by that is, not everything you do that takes away from your possibility of succeeding is a result of self-sabotage. Sometimes you just make poor decisions. And you don't want to start making up in your head that there's this giant pattern dominating your life. And a lot of people do that. For example, this woman in a seminar recently stood up and she said, well, gosh, I just sabotage myself all the time. I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, you know, like the other day, she said, I was late for work for the second time. I said, well, what does that mean? She goes, well, I was late, and that screws things up. I must be sabotaging myself. I said, well, maybe you just got caught up in what you were doing. She goes, no, I think I sabotaged myself. I said, well, why else? She said, well, because not only was I late, but also I forgot some of my things at home. So I wasn't just late. I left my books at home so I couldn't conduct the appropriate meeting. I know I was sabotaging. I said, well, how often does this happen? She goes, well, I don't know, maybe once or twice a month. I said, well, maybe, ma'am, you're not self-sabotaging. Maybe you're just not paying attention. I mean, so be careful about generating this as a generalization in your mind. Does that make sense? Don't get caught up in creating a belief system when maybe something's not there. On the other hand, if you do have a pattern, realize that any pattern you have, including self-sabotage, still comes back to one thing. Human beings, no matter what we're doing, including sabotaging ourselves, we do it for a positive intent. I want you to get that. Anything we do, we do for a positive intent. For example, if you smoke cigarettes, you're not doing it to try and create cancer in your body and destroy yourself. That's not the intent. The intent is your brain long ago linked up, hey, if I'm bored or if I'm frustrated or if I'm feeling some kind of pain of some sort, that this is a way to distract myself. This is literally a way to get rid of the pain and create some pleasure. That's what your brain has learned to do. So the intent of smoking is not to try and sabotage you. The sabotage, the physical sabotage that obviously cigarettes create for us is not about creating sabotage. It's about creating pleasure and avoiding pain. Do you follow me? We do the same thing with alcohol. We do the same thing if you use drugs you do the same thing if you watch TV too much, you do the same thing if you don't show up for meetings, there is always a positive intent. Your brain is trying to do something that's good for you in the form of avoiding pain and getting pleasure. So what's the challenge? Well the challenge is in our lives we many times sabotage ourselves because we've got this approach avoidance thing you've heard me talk about so much in these tapes where we have mixed neuroassociations, where we sabotage a relationship. Why? Because on the one side remember We've linked pleasure. If I get a relationship it's going to be so great, i this person that loves me and I can be with this person and we can share so much of life together. And yet on the other hand, we've had experiences where it's meant pain. And so our brain fries. We start to go in the relationship, it seems good, and then all of a sudden our brain goes, uh-oh, but that might mean pain. And also we get these mixed sensations or our brain doesn't know, is it going to mean pain or is it going to mean pleasure? And when our brain doesn't know, it stops everything. It tries to stop the process of progress. Does that make sense? I'll give you a classic example. I was reading in a book of an example of how our associations can drive us crazy. And what it talked about was an experiment that was done with rhesus monkeys where they put them in a special cage. And what they did is in the cage they put red, yellow, and green squares. Well, after several days, the experimenter set it up so that the red squares in the cage gave off intermittent shocks that would cause the monkey immediate pain. Well, you can imagine the monkey became pretty anxious and pretty soon learned to avoid the red squares at almost any cost. Well, next, the experimenter caused the red and the yellow squares to give off intermittent shocks, and the monkey began to act as if he was a manic depressive. Why? Because no matter where he went, he seemed to get pain, no matter what he tried. He tried what he thought would work, tried what he didn't work, he has got pain. He started to alternate between hyper-anxiety and depression and withdrawal. The monkey soon learned to avoid the red and the yellow squares, And then all the squares were electrified. Well, the little monkey began to bite itself, to beat its head against the bars, to defecate on itself. You might say the little monkey had been driven crazy. Now, that's a horrible example, and I have absolute contempt for that kind of abuse of animals or people. But what I also want to point out is that this is exactly what some people do to each other. This is exactly what some people do in their own head. Some people create this experimental cage in their brain where they literally begin to link pain to everything in life. We are the ones that create the connections, though. We're the ones that establish the shocks. Because no matter what happens in your life, what you associate to things is your choice. At least after this program it is. You don't have to be at the effect. If you notice that you've begun to wire to relationships a red square called pain, you can get rid of it. Because you can know that that is a generalization. Not all relationships equal pain. And so you've got to eliminate those negative associations. Otherwise, you create your own experimental box and you pay the ultimate price. That never needs to happen to you. You have the skills in this program. And if you're not sure about them, listen to a tape again and apply them. You can take those experiences that were painful and use the erasure technique and destroy it so you don't ever associate pain again to a relationship. Maybe you can even get it where it's somewhat humorous or you've at least learned something or you can ask yourself better questions and say, okay, it may have felt painful then, but that was only one relationship and what did I learn so I won't have pain in the future? It's not all red squares are painful. It's that one was and what can I learn from it so the next red square is pleasurable or so I can rewire the red square so it supports me. I just finished doing a Date with Destiny seminar this last weekend before I did this taping with you. And the interesting thing happened is a man walked up to me and he said, uh, Mr. Robbins, um, I think I should tell you uh, before we begin that uh, I'm into self sabotage. I said, Oh, really? That sounds pretty exciting. (laughs) He looked at me and said, What? I said, What am I doing? I just interrupted his pattern a little bit, started to break it up. He said, Well, no, I'm serious. I said, Well, I can see you're very serious. I said, But what do you mean? He said, Well, for the last few years, I've been working very hard at getting out of my body. I said, getting out of your body? He said, yes. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, in the last six months, I've been in three car accidents. I said, well, that's pretty amazing. He said, and you know what else? I said, what? He said, I've been in the hospital four or five times for feigning spells. I've also fallen off a ladder. and I also fell when I was exercising. And I said, well, I said, how do you know that that means you're trying to get out of your body? I said, I don't agree. He said, What do you mean? I said, Listen, if you wanted to get out of your body, you would have pulled that off a long time ago. I mean, that's pretty easy. I mean, all you need is a good gun or, you know, a nice, nice big knife. I mean, you could do it quickly. I mean, if you really were committed to getting out of your body, you would have done that a long time ago. Obviously, this self sabotage you're talking about has a positive intent. What is it you're trying to get out of this behavior? He said, Well, I don't know. I said, Well, if you did know. He said, I don't know. I, I guess maybe I just want to know that people love me. I said, Hmm, interesting. He said, God, I never even realized that till just now. I said, see, people don't sabotage. You're not trying to kill yourself. That's absurd. The bottom line is you want to feel love. And I bet, just like the example I talked about with you earlier in these tapes, with Jackknife, remember when we talked about that guy who slammed his hand through the glass and it was bleeding, and the woman who was rejecting him all of a sudden is making love to him? I said, long time ago, I told him that story, and I said, you know, a long time ago, you obviously linked up that if you get yourself hurt and get in the hospital especially, you've got all these people who come and tell you how much they love you and be with you and be worried about you. But I've got to tell you something, that isn't love. That's obligation. He looked at me kind of funny. I said, that's what it is. It's obligation. It's pain. They don't want to come see you. They feel like they have to and they're guilty. I said, they're not giving you love. In fact, a lot of those people probably hate you because they do that. Boy, you talk about interrupting his pattern. He started to defocus his eyes, started to look inside. What am I doing? I'm getting him to link what? Pain to his present pattern. So his brain will want to change it. I said, listen, if you want love, there are much better ways, and you're a much more intelligent person. This, than You don't have to sabotage in this way. You could get it just by, you know the best way to get love? Give it. See, be loving to people. Give them so much love that they have to give you love back. I said, there's a law in life. It's called reciprocation. What you put out, people feel like they got to give it back. I said, some people stay in relationships with people that they like but don't love. And the reason is they feel stuck because the other person loves them so much that they just, oh, they can't get out. They give love back. I said, listen, if you really want love, start pouring it out so deeply and so powerfully to so many people, it will come back tenfold. And he looked around, and I said, and if you do that, you have no pain and you have lots of pleasure. You do the other one, you keep breaking body parts. People come, they're obligated. They think, God, what a schmuck. How many more times is he going to get in a car accident? What, is he stupid? But they wouldn't say that to your face. I did this over and over again until I conditioned him to link a new pattern. I said to him as well, look, if you are expressing love, while you're expressing it, what are you feeling? He said, love. I said, well, that's interesting. So you mean you could get what you want the minute you give it? His brain went, wow, what a concept. (laughs) Here's a whole new way. Now, will this help him to change his whole life? Well, he believes it will. We'll know in six months if he hasn't had too many more accidents. The bottom line, unless he's just like blind or something, and that's part of the problem. The point is this. Any pattern of self-sabotage comes out of a positive intent. Do you hear me on this? We're always trying to get something that's good for us. Even people that commit suicide do it for a positive intent in their brain's mind. Their brain says, hey, suicide, being dead would be less painful than being alive, which I have a hard time personally believing. But in the moment, people who believe that commit suicide. Most people never commit suicide because killing themselves is just too painful. So what do they do? They just beat themselves up a lot. You don't need to do either one. You can free yourself from self-sabotage right now by knowing from this day forward that if you ever start to sabotage yourself, one, don't jump to conclusions and assume that because you've done something a few times and it didn't work out or the last minute you screwed something up, that it's this specter called self-sabotage that's coming to find you. Try another approach. Maybe it's you're just not paying attention. Maybe you're not focusing. Maybe you just got some poor habits. You know, it may not be a self-sabotage pattern, so don't jump to that conclusion. They're just bad habits. Refocus and decide what you do want to accomplish. And two, if it clearly is a pattern where you are subconsciously sabotaging yourself, screwing things up, hey, get excited. Don't get upset. Say, hey, look, my brain is doing what it does best. It thinks it's keeping me out of pain and giving me some pleasure, but I just got to teach my brain a better pattern. That's all. So what's the intent? And that's how you eliminate self-sabotage. Let's go through the steps real quickly. One identify a behavior that's keeping you from getting your goals, something that's stopping you or holding you back. First, got to identify it. That's step number one. Two, once you've identified it, ask yourself, what is the positive intent here? What is my brain trying to give me? So, for example, if, you know, you're about to go up to somebody and ask them for a date, and then all of a sudden you shut down and you can't even talk, what's the positive intent? Well, my guess would be that your brain is trying to protect you from being rejected. It's saying, well, if he doesn't say anything, he can't be rejected. Rejection is pain. I don't want pain. Does that make sense? So that's why you can't think in that moment. But see, you got to teach your brain otherwise. you got to go in. Once you find out that what the positive intent is, and you go, well, it's trying to protect me from rejection. Then you go to step three. Get some leverage on yourself so that you can make the change. You know how to do that. We've done it over and over again. That is Teach your brain that, hey, if I don't change this thing, I know you're trying to help me out here, brain. I know you're trying to keep me from the pain of rejection, but by me not going up and expressing how much I'm attracted, it's costing me relationships that could give me a lot more pleasure. It's a little bitty pain. But not being in a relationship is big pain. i got to explain this to your brain. you got to have a little conversation in your head. The way to do it is on paper. Sit down and write down all the pain you're going to get if you don't change this pattern and all the pleasure you'll get by making the pattern work. Real simple. Step four interrupt the pattern. And there are lots of ways to do that. We've talked about many. The simplest one that we've used in the last day or two, of course, is the erasure technique. So, how do we use it? Well, see yourself beginning to go into a situation where you're sabotaging yourself. In other words, see yourself start to approach, let's say, an attractive person and you. You see yourself start to choke up, only this time, watch it happen and scramble it. Be outrageous. The key to interrupting a pattern is to do something your brain would never, ever expect and do it rapidly over and over and over and over again. What that does is totally fry the old pattern that used to stop you. And, of course, step five then is install a new pattern. Condition yourself to have new feelings. What do you do? See yourself over and over going up and making the connection with this person and feeling the pleasure that comes from that. So you clearly teach your brain... Pain comes from not doing it, pleasure comes from doing it, and that old pattern, I can't run anymore, I've forgotten what the heck it is, I've scrambled my brain. Simple, humorous, basic way to change and eliminate self-sabotage, something you can easily do. I want to make one other point, and that is some of the most successful people have patterns of self-sabotage. So remember, if you find yourself doing something that doesn't seem to be supporting you in the long term, remember at some level, your brain thinks it's supporting you, at least in the short term. That's why it's doing it. Don't feel bad about it. Don't go, oh, gosh, here I am, this failure. Some of the most successful people that I've interviewed and worked with have had self-sabotage. It's just a pattern we once in a while get, and you can just change it now. It's very easy. So here's your assignment. Pull out your success journal, and before you turn the tape over, just identify. Do you have a place in your life where you have a tendency? And by the way, that's all this self-sabotage stuff is. We don't want to make it into a thing. It's not a thing. It's just a tendency. It's just a pattern that once in a while you run. So is there a place in your life where you have a tendency to start to sabotage things when it gets too good, for example? Relationship gets to a certain level and your brain goes, "Uh uh-oh, if I get too connected, if I love this person too much, what if they leave me? Oh my gosh, then I'd have pain, so I better sabotage it first. You understand the kind of thing I'm talking about here? So identify if there's a tendency someplace. That's number one. Two, don't feel bad about it. Instead, feel good. Get excited. Say, my brain is awesome. My brain here is doing a good job of what it believes it needs to do to help me to avoid pain and gain pleasure. So feel good about your brain. It means it's doing its job. Three, get some leverage, though, to make a change. Get your brain to associate and teach your brain by writing down, here's all the things I miss out on because of this tendency. And really get your brain to see that there's major pain in sabotaging. And make sure your brain also says, make a list of, here's all the pleasure I get by making a change. So your brain has got both the stick and the carrot It's got leverage to want to make the shift. Four, then what you need to do is now simply interrupt the pattern. And the interrupt the pattern, there are a zillion ways to do it again, but use the erasure technique since that's what we've been using for the last two days. Real simple process. Think about the sabotage you've done and make it humorous. Run those kinds of scenarios over in your head and turn them into cartoons. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, until when your brain thinks of it, it kind of laughs and sees that this is ridiculous, where it doesn't run the pattern the same way anymore. And finally, five, rehearse achieving the result you want without the self-sabotage. In other words, rehearse achieving the success you want and make sure you feel the pleasure of succeeding. And do it over and over again till your brain links. Hey, this really works. This is really going to last. This is something that I really want in my life. And the self-sabotage pattern or tendency will disappear. So do this, and we'll talk about how to create unstoppable self-confidence. creating unstoppable self-confidence. Self-confidence. It's something people talk about all the time when they say why they're not succeeding. Over and over I hear people say, I just don't have enough confidence. Listen, confidence is not something you have, it's something you create, and you can create it at any moment in time. A sense of confidence is nothing but a sense of power within yourself, a sense of certainty that you can pull something off, and you can create that feeling literally in a moment. It's not something that you live with. There is no one that I've ever met that no matter what situation they're in is always confident. Everybody gets knocked off kilter at times. The key is can you turn the confidence on when you need it so you can get the most out of yourself? Does that make sense so far? So you've got to remember that feeling confident is nothing but a state of mind. And you can change and create any state you want at any moment in time no matter what's going on around you. Let me give you some specific examples. There are three primary ways that you can create self-confidence at any moment in time to get the most out of yourself and produce the results you really want. Approach number one you're familiar with. It's called physiology. You've got to remember that any feeling you've ever had in your body, whether it be fear, anxiety, concern, depression, frustration, or ecstasy, power, unstoppability, confidence, success, those emotions, any emotion you feel comes from the way you use your physical body. The only way you can feel anything is by the way you move, the way you breathe, your facial expressions. So if you're not feeling confident, you don't have to intellectually try and pump yourself up because it doesn't always work. I'm sure you've tried at times to go, well, I need to be confident. I know I should be confident, but you're still not there. Well, let me tell you, the quickest way to get confident is to change your physiology radically. Listen, in our seminars around the country, those Unleash the Power Within programs, we take people through a first evening we call fear into power. And it's an experience where we get you to change your conditioning and feel totally confident in an area you'd normally be totally afraid of. So at the broadcast site, we use a firewalk experience where everyone walks across the fire between 1,200 and 2,000 degrees, burning hot coals. And in the theaters, we have people actually learn how to break through wood, karate style, and they do it in about 15 minutes. And it requires not only confidence, as you might guess, but competence to do something that most people take two or three years to learn how to do in a few minutes. Now, the purpose of this is to get people in a state of being totally strong and confident, even though they were totally afraid, lacking confidence only moments before. Let me tell you something. To get yourself across a bed of burning hot coals or to smash through some wood, even though you might be tiny and small and the wood is much bigger than you've ever done before, i got to tell you something. To do that, you got to make a major change in your state. Major. Now, let me tell you how we do that. The number one way we do this is we get people to move their bodies with a level of intensity and power That they probably never experienced before. Remember, earlier in these tapes, I said to you that emotion is created by motion. The way you move your body physically, the way you breathe, your facial expressions instantly affects your emotional state, the way you feel, and the way you think. So if you need confidence, You must move in a confident way. You must literally put yourself at level 10 or above. You remember those conversations? So what I do with people is literally I'll take somebody who comes up to the fire and they go, oh, gosh, I really don't think I could do this. And I say, and I couldn't do it either if I talk like you right now. Stand up. Breathe strong. Take a huge deep breath in. Blow it out hard. What I want you to say the word yes. And they go, yes. I said, no, no. Say yes. And I have them yell. They go, yes. Say it again, yes, and pretty soon they feel incredibly strong and I say, walk, and they go, okay. (laughs) And it's like instantly, a moment ago they were totally afraid, now they have the confidence to do it. The only difference was changing their state of mind and emotion by changing the way they're using their body, but I do it radically. Major explosive changes. In other words, if I was going to make a gesture, I wouldn't just like reach my hand out towards you, I'd snap it out there. That's the kind of state of confidence I'm talking about. Are you following me? In other words, you've got to move deliberately as if you are absolutely, totally in control. You know you can create any result you want. If you meet someone who's confident, you know it before they open their mouth, don't you? Can't you tell by the way they move, by the way they speak? Listen, what if when you turn these tapes on, I I said, um, Well, uh, uh, I want to thank you for listening. Um, I'm... um, um, Tony Robbins, and um, I want to share with you over the next um, 30 days um, how you could have, um, well, you know, uh, absolute, total um, self-confidence You can go, get rid of this guy. What am I doing? What's going on here? Who is this guy? Is he on drugs? What's the deal? See, the bottom line is I communicate rapidly because I'm confident. Is that I'm competent? No, confident. That's what I'm talking about. Hopefully I'm competent too. But the bottom line is I'm just letting it go. Out of that state of confidence, though, ideas pop up. This whole set of tapes have been designed to help you get results without limits. I didn't sit here and say, okay, now I'm going to say this, and then I'll say that, and then I'll put it in this order. I want you and I to have a relationship that moves you. This whole set of programs comes from my ability to say, I'm confident, I know I can reach this person. If I didn't believe that, you and I couldn't have this conversation right now. But sometimes I don't feel confident. Sometimes I don't feel like I know what I'm going to say next. Have you ever been there? What I do at that time is act as if I know what I'm doing, which is a useful approach. Now you might say, well, you're teaching people to be confident but not competent. I got news for you. If you're confident enough, you can develop the competence. But if you're competent and you don't have confidence, you'll never succeed. There are many competent people who could accomplish incredible results, but they're missing the confidence. Am I suggesting to you to be foolhardy? No. What I'm suggesting to you is learn how to turn on the confidence rapidly. Use enough of it to learn what you need to know to be competent and effective and produce the results. But you'd be surprised how much more you know than you realize if you really get yourself in the right state of mind. Does that make sense? Try it. Try moving your body in a confident way. In fact, try it right now. Please stand up. Again, if you're in the car, it'll be a little bit more difficult. oh No, 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 don't sit back down. Some of you started to stand up and you sat back down. Don't do that. I'm there. I'm watching. I'm telling you. Stand up. And what I want you to do is just try something. Stand the way you be standing if you felt unstoppably confident. Breathe the way you be breathing if you felt unstoppably confident. Really go for it. Put the kind of expression on your face that like you'd have if you were unstoppably confident. And make some gestures. Actually, move your hands out with some power as if you're trying to make a point with real power and where you know that what you're going to say is going to be effective. And just notice how that feels. Say something. Say yes. And the tone of voice is somebody who is totally confident. Don't go, yes, yes, yes. Yes! Yes! with some power and just feel how it feels in your body. Get a sense of it. Turn on more intensity than you would normally use with another person. Just feel it in your body so you feel what it's like. You want to be able to turn it on just by turning your body on. This is critical. With this as a power, you can go from being afraid to strong in a matter of moments. Now try something really stupid and silly. While you're standing there, I'd like you to walk around your room. And the way I'd like you to do that is I want you to imagine there's a cape shooting off the back of your back. I'm gonna have this call, we call this a cape walk. Now, if nothing else has felt stupid up until now, this one is guaranteed to assist you in this process. What I want you to do is stand up, pretend there's a cape back there, shoulders are back, and I want you to walk around, just walk around in a circle, but like you got this cape flowing back there with a sense of pride and power. Now you go, I'm not gonna do this, listen. Only those who are truly secure can participate in this exercise. (laughs) Go for it. Try it. Come on. Walk around and just notice what it feels like. Seriously, walk around and notice how it feels to have a cape on your back. And from that state, even though it seems humorous, try it right now while you're listening to me. Walk around and feel what it feels like to have this cape flowing off your back there. And notice what happens in terms of your confidence. Even though you may be laughing, do you feel a little stronger? Are you more upright? Do you feel more alive? Just know this, you can sit back down now, don't sit on your cape. Bottom line is this, if you are making gestures with certainty, if you're moving with certainty, with some acceleration, with some power, if you speak with that kind of tempo, you will feel confident no matter how you were feeling a few moments ago. If you want to feel like you have a lack of confidence, move not only slowly, because slowly you could still be confident and move slowly, but move with hesitation, speak with uh, uh, hesitation. And within a short period of time, you can cause yourself to not only feel bored with yourself, but also to actually feel like you can't accomplish anything. In essence, remember this, using your physical body effectively can put you in a state of confidence no matter what was happening around you. No matter how intense the situation, no matter how scary, no matter how difficult, you always have that resource. Don't ever say to yourself again, well, I just don't have enough confidence. Break out of that shell. If you don't feel like you have confidence, create it right now. It's not a thing that somebody gave you years ago. It's not something you missed out on. It's something you create by the way you speak, by the way you move, by the way you gesture. That's one. Here's number two. Control your mental focus. Remember, what you focus on is going to determine how you feel. So if you focus constantly on how things might not work out, and you look at in your brain all the possibilities of, well, what if this doesn't work, or what if that doesn't happen, if that's your mental focus, of course you're going to lack confidence. Remember, we experience whatever we focus on. So if you're focusing on how things won't work, you're going to feel the pain that you associate to that. You're going to create a tremendous amount of doubt, and then it usually becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You don't get what you want. Let me give you a kind of a simple example. I'd like you to try something. Please listen and please do this. What I want you to do is think of something you really want to have happen in your future, something you like to have or do or be. And what I'd like you to do is hope, hope that you'll get this to happen in your life. Okay, try it. Think of something you really want in your life, something you really want to have happen, and hope it'll happen. Notice how it feels when you hope it'll happen. You may even notice what you say to yourself when you hope something will happen. Now what I want you to do is get out of that state, completely get out of that state for a second, and now let's have you think about the same thing you want to have happen in your life, but this time, I want you to expect that it will happen. Absolutely, totally expect it. Know it, okay? And when you know it's gonna happen, I want you to notice what happens to the pictures in your mind as you think about it. What's different? I want you to notice the difference in your body. Absolutely expect it will happen. You expect this will occur. You absolutely know it. Now, I got a question for you. Is there a difference in how you feel in your body, first of all? And I think you'll find the answer is yes. In addition, is there a difference in even how you visualize these two things in your mind? There are several distinctions that I make usually when I ask people what the difference is between their hoping and their expecting. Invariably, a number one distinction is people tell me things like, well, I noticed that when I was hoping that the picture was dim or it was dark or it was gray or it was black and white or, or it was two pictures, I saw myself succeeding, but I also saw the possibility of failing versus when I expected, I saw just one picture. I saw it happening. Interesting. When you focus on it just happening, you feel confident. When you focus on it might happen or it might not happen, you don't feel so confident. Is that fair to say? Also, when people focus on things that they're expecting, many times they put it in color. The other thing that commonly comes up is people say things like, well, when I was hoping, I felt kind of passive. And when I was expecting, I felt active. I felt like I needed to do something. Interesting. Was that true for you? The reason is whatever we focus on, we get. So, if you're focusing on two possibilities, your brain is getting different neuroassociations. It's going, could be painful, could be pleasurable. Your brain doesn't know what to do, it doesn't feel confident. But when you expect and focus on one result and you say, This is what it is, I'm going to accomplish this, I expect it, immediately your level of self confidence goes up and you feel active immediately because your brain says, Hey, if I do this, I can get some pleasure in my life. Does that make sense? That's the process we're talking about. We must control our focus. And one way to do it, of course, is to control our focus by controlling the questions we ask ourselves. Invariably, people who have a lot of doubt ask questions create it. They say things like, well, could I really get this done, I wonder? Or, God, I wonder if this will get screwed up too. Versus coming from the place of saying, how can I get this done? Or better, what's the best way I can get this done? See, when something comes up for me, if I want to be confident, I don't say, gosh, do you think I can really pull this off? I ask myself, what's the best way to get this done? And enjoy the process. Now, by doing that, listen to the presupposition there. The presupposition is my mind's going to focus on how to get it done. I'm going to start expecting it's going to get done. I'm going to feel confident versus saying, will it work or will it not? In which case, I start focusing on two different possibilities and I lose my confidence. Are you following me? Good. Now, third way that we can control our focus is just to change our core beliefs. We've already talked about how to do this over and over again. If you walk around in life believing that the only way you can feel confident is if you've already accomplished something, you got a problem. You're limiting yourself to the number of things you can ever feel confident about and succeed. In other words, some people say, well, how can I be confident when I've never done it before? Listen, I feel confident in all kinds of things I've never done before. You say, well, that's because you're screwed up. <laughs> no, that's not why it is. It's because I come from a belief system that says this, that if I can imagine it, I can achieve it. So if I can even imagine it, I know I can achieve it, and that allows me to be confident. Plus, I have a belief system that says, if I'm committed, there's always a way to make it work. And no matter how tough the situation is, if I don't know how to make it work, somebody else does, and I can get their help. So I come from that place, and that allows me to be confident. I know I can get help. I know if I'm committed, there's a way to do it. And I know that anything in the past I've really been able to imagine accomplishing, And finding a role model for I can't accomplish. Hey, listen, everything you do now, you once weren't good at. Everything you do now, there was a time when you had not done it. Why wait to get confident? Besides that, I know I can be confident about what I'm about to begin because I know, look, if it doesn't work out, I'll learn something. And that makes me feel confident because that learning will allow me to be better in the future. In other words, set yourself up to be able to be confident. Again, I'm not suggesting be foolhardy. I'm just telling you how to turn confidence on when you need it. And most of the time, you do need it. So a key question a lot of people ask me is, well, how can I create that level of belief? I understand I can change my body, but how can I create that belief so I wouldn't have to work at it? Well, there's a simple process that I teach people, and I call it my success cycle. And it, for me, is my way of explaining why people who succeed seem to continue to succeed and get even stronger, and people who fail seem to go down a downward spiral. Why do the rich get richer and the poor get poorer? Not just in terms of rich or poor financially, but rich meaning mental, emotional, social, spiritual, intellectual, physiological, and financial. I put a copy of the drawing of my success cycle there on your summary. Now, if you take a look at it, you'll see that there are four elements that I think affect the quality of our lives. And I've got them represented there by those four boxes. Up in the top left-hand corner there, you should see the word potential. What's the potential of any human being? I personally believe it absolutely is unlimited. None of us even come close to scratching our real potential. The second element that affects human performance is our actions, up there in the box in the right-hand corner. The third element that affects performance are the actual results that we've gotten. In other words, what's the impact of our present actions and potential being utilized? And finally, the fourth element that affects performance is our beliefs. And you'll see that down in the left-hand corner in that box. And you notice that all these boxes have arrows that connect them, and they're all pointing in a particular direction, going clockwise, as if this was a continuous cycle. How does it work? Well, number one, what's the potential of any human being? Again, unlimited. But do most people's results in life, that bottom right hand corner box, do most people's results reflect that level of potential? I would say no way. What's the problem? You might say, oh, I see what it is, Tony. It's that second box at the top. They don't take enough what? Action. I think that's true in many cases, but that's not the only problem. There are a lot of people who go out there and take a lot of action and still get lousy results. Why? Action by itself is great, but it is not enough. Hey, if you're in sales and you go out and make a hundred cold calls because you're doing lousy, but you go out in a state of mind where you don't expect anyone's going to buy, and you turn to people and say things like, you wouldn't want to buy anything from me, would you? (laughs) Maybe you don't say that verbally, but maybe your face says that because you don't expect them to. Is that going to affect your results? You better believe it's going to. You're going to get lousy results. In other words, success starts with our beliefs. If you look at that bottom left hand box, that is the core of your performance. Think about it. See, the potential is there, but if for some reason you start out with some limiting beliefs like, well, I don't have that much self confidence anyway, or I don't have the background, or I've never done this before, so I probably won't succeed anyway, if you have that belief, are you likely to tap a lot of your potential? Highly unlikely. Now, if you don't think you're going to succeed and you're not using much potential, are you likely to take massive action? Hardly. Now, when you tap a little bit of potential and you only take a little bit of action, what kind of results do you get? A little bit of results, if any. Now, what does that do to your brain and your beliefs? Your brain goes, see, I told you so. And now you have this reinforcing belief pattern because it points back to that experience. So what happens? You have even less belief. You tap even less potential you take even less action if that's possible, you get even worse results. And now you're truly locked into the downward spiral to the point where now you start looking at how can you do the very least to get by. That's called death rattle to personal success. The opposite is also true too. Sometimes people have an experience in life where for some reason they get a result or something happens and they begin to absolutely believe, not just hope, but know that they can accomplish something. When that happens, whether it's because you changed your body or you had a new experience, you're going to tap a lot more potential when you know you're going to succeed, aren't you? And therefore, you're going to probably take a lot more action. Knowing you're going to succeed, you're inspired, you're going to go for it. When you take a lot of action and use a lot of your potential, what kind of results do you get? Usually great results. When you get great results, what does that do to your belief? Your brain goes, see, I told you you would succeed. And sure enough, now your beliefs are even stronger. So what do you do? You tap even more potential. You take massive action and you get even greater results. What happens? Your belief's even stronger. And now you're in that success cycle. You're in that place where you literally have momentum that drives you to a whole new level. That's how beliefs are formed. You might say, well, how can I get results, though? What do I do if I'm on the downward spiral? Well, you don't change your potential. That's always there. You don't just take action, although that's a great first step. You've got to change your beliefs. And one of the easiest ways to do that is change your results in advance. You might say, what do you mean? Well, let me give you an example. Would you please stop what you're doing right now and do this exercise with me? Change your focus and pay 100% attention. You're going to like this. Here's what I want you to do. Please stand up just for a moment. Come on, stand up there. Come on. And what I'd like you to do is put your feet together so they're pointing straight ahead. Then what I want you to do is just take your right arm and bring it straight out in front of you and point your right index finger directly in front of you so you're pointing straight ahead. When I say now, what I'd like you to do is turn clockwise as far as you can comfortably without stretching yourself or pushing yourself or really hurting yourself, okay? Ready? Go ahead and turn clockwise now as far as you can and just notice where you end up. Good. Now come back again. Okay, drop your right arm, close your eyes, and what I want you to do is something really simple. Some simple neuroassociative conditioning. Now, it's going to be simpler than anything we've done so far. All I want you to do is imagine that you're bringing your right arm back up again, and I want you to imagine it so vividly that you actually feel as if and see your hand coming up in front of you straight out pointing in front of you again. In other words, don't actually do it, but make it so real that it feels as if it's happening and you can see it occurring. Then in your mind's eye, see and feel yourself turning clockwise again, only this time going twice as far. And make it effortless and expect to enjoy it. Good. And then come back around in your mind. And again in your mind, see and feel your arm coming up in front of you with your finger pointing straight ahead. And when I say now, turn clockwise and see and feel. No, don't actually do it, but make it so real it feels like it's happening. See and feel yourself again turning and this time going three times as far as you did the first time excellent and now do it a third time do it very rapidly and feel and expect yourself to go almost four times as far you turn almost all the way around very good now open your eyes bring your right arm back up physically this time with your finger pointing straight ahead and when i say now turn clockwise and go as far as you can without hurting yourself and watch how much further you go this time go for it if you're like most people you've gone much further in fact The average person goes at least a third further than they did before. So i got a question for you. Go ahead and have a seat. (laughs) My question is this. What happened here? Did your potential change? No, you always had the potential to turn that far. Did you, like, make major changes in your actions? No way. You didn't make major changes in your actions, but your results did change. Why? Because by rehearsing in your mind over and over again, you conditioned your mind to believe to feel certain that it could go much further. You created an association in your nervous system that said this will feel good and I can go further and now you've gone much further. In fact if you did it again you could go even further again. So this is a perfect metaphor for what has to happen in life. If you want to succeed you need to rehearse over and over succeeding until it's so real for you your brain begins to believe it. Now you'll tap more potential, you'll take better action, and in real life you'll get better results. Then it will reinforce your belief and now you're off and running. Does this make sense? This is the way to create lifelong, unstoppable self-confidence. This is what I did for myself because I was on the downward spiral. All I did was create the results in my head so vividly, I began to believe them. When I believed them, I tapped more potential, I took more action, I started to get those real results in my life, emotionally, economically, in my relationships, in virtually every area of my life. And let me leave you with two more things on confidence. One, if you really want to be confident, Know what causes people to lack in it. Focusing too much on yourself and not enough on other people will guarantee that you'll lack confidence. What do I mean? I mean some people lack confidence because they pick themselves apart. They spend all day, every day, analyzing themselves. Why did I do this? Why don't I do that? How come I never accomplish these things? They ask lousy questions. They get lousy answers, and they create a tremendous amount of self-doubt. Do you want to have more confidence? Stop analyzing yourself so much and focus on other people and how you can contribute to them. And as you start giving to other people, you'll feel more confident about what you can even do for yourself. Does that make sense? And finally this, you can feel confident if all you do is remember some of the things you've accomplished in your life. You are a successful, competent person. You've done a lot of things in your life extremely well. No matter who you are or what your background is, there are things in this world that you are really good at, things you've really accomplished in your life that you've got to be proud of. Every human being I meet, I know is my superior because I know all of us in life have focused our attention on various things, and whatever you focused on a lot, you're good at. And every human being I meet in my life, I know that I'm superior to in some way as well, and that makes me feel confident as well, knowing I can learn from other people and that I can give too. So in order to help yourself, Really have reasons to feel confident, not just put yourself in state, but to feel like you got reasons. All you've got to do is manage your memories better. Pull out some of your memories of tough situations in your life where you didn't think you could pull it off, but you turned it around. You have some of those, don't you? Situations where you thought, I could never figure a way to pull this off, and yet you did. You need to remember more of those and less of the times when you felt overwhelmed. What I want you to do is take out your success journal and your assignment for day is simple. I want you to come up with five of your greatest successes in life. Things where you've really turned it on. Maybe some situations where it looked really dark, looked really difficult, and you didn't know how you're going to pull it off, but you did. And all I want you to do is write down a paragraph or so about each one of those. In other words, pull out of your memory file some of the references that can show you that you deserve to be confident, that you're competent and confident that you can make things happen even in the toughest of times. And use those examples to remind yourself in the future that whatever's going on, you can find a way. Do that today and have some fun filtering through your memories and picking five of your favorites.